I'm ready to make my credits count. I'm ready to take classes from a university that will help me build on my experience to prepare me for the future. A university that will make me feel supported, encouraged, and connected. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today. Friends and welcome back to the Sacktown Royalty Show. Uh, we've got an emergency trade deadline podcast for you tonight. We are recording on Thursday, February eighth. The trade deadline has come and gone, and the Kings made a few moves today. Some interesting stuff. Joining me on the show is our old pal Greg Wissinger. Greg, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing just fine. Thanks for having me back. Anytime. You have a uh, standing offer to join the podcast anytime. <laughs> so I'm going to run down the uh, the moves here real quick. It's kind of a confusing series of events here, especially because some stuff was reported and then it didn't actually happen the way it was reported. So uh, first, the Kings traded George Hill and the draft rights to Arturis Gudatis to the Cavaliers in a three-team deal with Utah. They received Iman Shumpert, Joe Johnson, Miami's 2020 second rounder, cash considerations, and the draft rights to Dimitrios Agravanis. Another another Greek who will probably never play in Sacramento. But the Kings needed a roster spot to make room for Shumpert and Johnson because they were only sending out Hill and they had no roster spots available. So they sent Malachi Richardson to the Toronto Raptors for Bruno Caboclo. And Jason Jones, the Sacramento Bee, originally reported that the Kings would be waving Caboclo to make room for Shumpert and Johnson. Um, and then it seemed like a couple hours later, almost past the deadline, if I'm remembering correctly, it was revealed that the Kings were waving Yorgos Papayanis instead, and they would be keeping Bruno Caboclo. Then that made the room for Shumpert and Johnson. All of those trades have been made official by the Kings, so there's no going back here, no physical issues. Um, this is the new Kings roster. So, Greg, a lot to sift through, but uh, what do you make of the moves the Kings made today? Well, obviously they're in win-now mode. I mean, they got seven-time All-Star Joe Johnson. <laughs> yeah, big-time vet. <laughs> no, I mean, the moves are, you know, on the surface, they're a little underwhelming, right? I mean, I know we were all kind of hoping, like, yeah, could they get a first-round pick or, you know, maybe a 2019 first or something like that. And, you know, based on what we saw today, it just there wasn't a whole lot of market. A lot of teams weren't moving first-rounders. And the only first-rounder that really moved was Cleveland's in that deal. It, it went uh, – uh, or actually, it was in a different deal. They sent their first-round picks to the Lakers, but you know, the Brooklyn pick didn't move. Nobody else moved draft picks in the first round this year. So, yeah, it was a little underwhelming, but ultimately I think the Kings did what they set out to do today. They created some some cap relief. They created roster space. You know, they'll probably buy out Joe Johnson, and then I'm assuming they would bring up like Jakar Sampson to the main squad for the rest of the year, just – guessing at this point but um yeah i mean i i didn't have a problem with anything i i you know none of it really blows your hair back but it it was fine (laughs) i think um without context nothing here feels great i mean they gave away their best i shouldn't say best free agent but their highest paid free agent ever they they shipped him off 
Um, they also <laughs> traded away the 13th overall pick in the 2016 NBA draft in Euros Papianis. They waived him, and they traded Malachi Richardson, the 22nd overall pick in the 2016 NBA draft. They lost two first-round picks and George Hill, and they got back nothing. So I can see why people, like on the surface, I've seen some fans that were upset at the deal from a... I guess an asset management standpoint, like the Kings were sort of making up for previous errors. But, you know, I went back and looked at the 2016 NBA draft again tonight just to make sure. And, I mean, there was nothing there. You're looking at, like, DeJounte Murray and Malcolm Brogdon as the best guys that were drafted after Papayanis. And those guys were second-round picks, late first-round picks. They weren't even in that draft range. So, you know, can you crush Vlade for having a bad draft in 2016? Maybe. But... What else was there? Not much. Um, and the George Hill deal just didn't work out. I think most of us were on board when they announced that. I certainly was. And I thought, at worst, the Kings would be able to deal him. And that's kind of exactly what happened at worst, which is, you know, I, I couldn't have predicted a worse year for George Hill. He had the off-court personal issues that probably held him back a little bit. And when he was on the court, it wasn't very effective. And they basically salary-dumped him minus Shumpert's salary who they have to keep for next year, probably, unless he opts out, which kind of seems unlikely to me. But I guess I'm with you. Like, it was underwhelming, but I like what the Kings, where the Kings are at today more than I did yesterday. Do you feel that same way? Do you prefer this roster now to the roster yesterday? Do you think there was even a, a little bit of improvement here? I don't know if there's necessarily improvement, but it definitely kind of clarified things going forward. Uh, before we jump into that, though, let me go back to the draft, because you know, this question's come up a lot. You know, and there's certain things that, yeah, like Malcolm Brogdon with hindsight and, you know, uh, DeJounte Murray, but, you know, would that have, would he have developed the way he did if he wasn't in San Antonio? But I looked at, okay, who are the guys who were drafted in like the 10 spots immediately following uh, Papianis? So the guys that were most on our radar at the time as fans were Denzel Valentine and Wade Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Baldwin's been a bust too. Yeah, that's probably the guy that everyone wanted us to take there. Uh, Denzel Valentine had been on the radar, had done some workouts, was considered a possibility. He looks like he would have been a better pick. Fifteenth was Juan Hernan Gomez, who is a pretty nice young NBA big man. Like if you're wanting to kind of nitpick, that that's a pretty decent one. He was taken two spots later and is a productive NBA big. Um, you know, there's guys like Malik Beasley and Karis LeVert who have both been pretty good lately. I mean, honestly, even taking Malachi Richardson at 13 would have been a better value than right. what Papianos turned into. So I, I think it's still fair to criticize the 13th pick. I mean, that was a bad pick from the moment it was made. But I also I'm fine with them cutting him. Like I, I I've not been a big believer in Papianos for a long time, and you know. They uh, from the reports that came out this afternoon, they tried to shop him. There's no market for him. No one wants him, you know. And so they're going to release him. And I mean, honestly, would you be surprised if he ended up re-signed to the Bighorns? No, I think that's probably the most likely outcome because it doesn't seem like anyone else is interested. Obviously, Vlade was interested in some level, but I don't know if anyone else is. Yeah, like if the Kings still believe in him in any way, like. There's no market for him. No one's interested in him. Like, yeah, maybe someone else picks him up as a flyer. Maybe he doesn't want to still be with the Kings, but yeah, maybe he just ends up working with the G League and, you know, he can be the project that he should have been originally, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not really have the expectations of the 13th pick. Um, 
and giving up on Malika, I, I just can't get too upset about that one either because, yeah, he had some nice flashes, and especially the end of his rookie re- year before he got hurt, he was playing well, and he looked good. But they came into the season with, what, 10 guys on their rookie contracts, right? I don't think that they realistically could have gone into the offseason adding more youth in the upcoming draft with those 10 guys all still on the roster. Like, part of this season was going to be figuring out who's part of the future and who's out. So they eliminated a wing who was stuck in a logjam. I mean, there was no way the Malachi was going to be getting consistent minutes behind, you know, Buddy Heel, Bogdan Bogdanovich. You know, the guard positions are more taken up by Fox and Mason. You know, there just wasn't a whole lot of minutes there on the wing. And they got rid of a big man. You know, they've got Scal, they've got Willie, they've got Harry Giles, who they seem to believe will have some sort of future. Yeah, and so they didn't need another big body. And so they've they've pared it down. They figured out two guys who weren't part of the future and moved them out. Like that's kind of what you expect at the early stages of a rebuild when you have a whole bunch of lot of tickets and you slowly pare down and figure out which ones you're not gonna keep throwing money at. I'll take it a step further with the youth. And like you were saying, there's been speculation that the Kings may try and bring Jakar Sampson up on a more longer-term deal. Maybe it's like an unguaranteed second year or something. Complete speculation. No one's reported that yet. But if you told me, like, would you rather have... This is just my opinion. You could disagree. Would you rather have uh, Bruno Caboclo and Jakar Sampson or Jorgos Papianis and Malachi Richardson? As far as, like, unproven youth versus unproven youth... I'm taking Caboclo and Jakar. I like Caboclo has shown almost nothing, but he's raw and fun. Um, and Jakar is better than Papianis and Richardson, as far as what we've seen so far. I've liked what I've seen from Jakar. I know. I think you have too. If you want to sell it to yourself one way, that's another way to look at it. If they bring up Jakar, maybe they don't. Yeah, I mean, I wrote about it back in December when uh, he, Jakar Samson had that great game against the Cavs. That you know he's really done enough that you know. I think he's worth it. I mean, he's still just, I mean, Jakar Sampson's 24 years old. So, yeah, he's older than Papianis, obviously, and he's a little older than Malachi. But, you know, he's right in the same timeline as guys like Buddy Heald. So, you know, if you can get a productive NBA, you know, kind of oversized three, undersized four type of guy who can defend wing players and hit an occasional three, I think that's worth a look as part of a long-term rebuilding plan. Yeah, he. I mean, he was good in that Cavs game, and I think even recently we've seen him a little bit more, and he's been pretty good in those games as well. Just the energy and toughness that he mm-hmm. brings. It's something that the Kings don't have yeah. and something that Jaeger clearly values. Yeah, and I mean, if you're thinking about, okay, what did Papianos bring to the floor? He could occasionally hit a jumper. He yeah. could set to hard screens, yeah. and, you know, he, he was a – I mean, he wasn't necessarily like a big tough body down low, but he was a tough guy, I guess. He almost he fought Marquis Chris that one thing? time. Yeah, I think he fought yeah, like Chris. Somebody. Uh, it was Bender. Oh, it was Bender. You're right. Yeah, yeah Bender. Bender. Uh, he had that uh, long-standing feud with Bender, which yeah, I'm going to miss. Two NBA <laughs> icons right there. <laughs> the other thing I'll say about uh, so we're all under the assumption that the Kings are going to waive Joe Johnson. We don't know for sure, but that seems like the smart play, and that does leave the Kings with one more roster spot to play with. And a common complaint I've heard against what the Kings did today is that. You know, like you were saying, at some point, they're going to have to get rid of some of these young guys because they have free agency to deal with in the summer, and they have another first-rounder and a second-rounder in the draft this year, 
And like you said, 10 guys on rookie contracts. Those contracts aren't expiring this summer. So it's just there's a there's a roster logjam that they would have to address either now or in the summer. And Papianis and Malachi Richardson were probably not in the long-term plans regardless. But the complaint I've seen is that, well, maybe you could have at least, you know, given Malachi the rest of the year just to see for sure if there was something there. And my, I guess, counter-argument to that is you can find interesting players on 10-day contracts um, with the roster spot that the Kings will probably have open from Joe Johnson getting waived. And maybe they aren't better than Malachi Richardson, but I hope the Kings use that extra spot to experiment a little bit. If it's not Jakar Sampson, because they still have him under team control a little bit with the two-way deal. I was just going back in my head of like some 10-day guys that caught on in the league, and uh, Yogi Ferrell came to mind from Dallas. Like You can find these guys that are actually effective players, and now the Kings have a roster spot to play around with them. Or like Hassan Whiteside was a guy who was kind of floundering nowhere. The Heat brought him in on these multiple 10-day contracts and found out that they you know there was something here. Maybe the Kings don't do that because they already have a ton of youth to play. But I don't mind ditching Malachi and Papianis now, having that extra roster spot. And hey, maybe maybe they don't find anything, but I'm totally fine letting them use that spot to explore. And maybe and they also could need another backup point guard because I think uh, Omer was speculating or, or saying that Fox has been a little injury prone and uh, Mason's not even healthy yet, so they may need another emergency point guard to bring in. So those are some reasons why you well, might have seen the Kings give up on Richardson this early. Well, I think Mason is supposed to be back now after the... Or no, they're holding him out to the All-Star break. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so, I mean, and it sounds like he's pretty much healthy, but they just want to be cautious. Um, so, I mean, but realistically, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we just see, you know, Darren Fox take the bulk of the minutes and, you know, Bogdan play, you know, kind of the the point position as the backup, which he's done previously. Um, you know, and, and who knows, maybe we can bring back David Stockton again. Of course. Well, hey, that guy, <laughs> that guy's always, always a call away, that David Stockton. I mean, he's with the Bighorns. He's right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. He'll be on the Summer League team next year after a couple games, for sure. Happens every year. Um, <laughs> one of the last pieces to all this is that uh, the Kings, looking forward, potentially have a lot of cap space to play with this summer. Um, or they may have a little bit of cap space. It depends on the player options with Garrett Temple, Costa Cupas, and now Iman Shumpert. They all have player options for next year. I'm kind of mm-hmm. of the opinion that None of those guys opt out, but where do you think those guys stand uh, heading into free agency this summer? Um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you with any certainty on Shepard. You know, it's going to be a question of whether he values getting, you know, another long-term contract. You know, while he still has, you know, some spring in his step because he's not exactly a young guy, and he's definitely not going to get eleven million uh, a year on the open market. That just won't be the case, but. Yeah, he may sacrifice the the one term or the one year payout for a longer term deal. Um, you know, he's had some injuries, and you know, if, he, if his agents feel like there's a market out there, it could be worth it to you know, secure one last multi year contract. Trufus um, and Temple, man, I I don't know on them. Like of the two, I think the Temple is probably the most likely to opt out. Just because it seems like you know he's still a guy who could contribute for winning teams and would be in demand. Again, not so much that he could get the same contract because it doesn't seem like 
the free agent market's going to have that much money to throw around, especially from contending teams. But you, know, you think about a guy like him taking like the full mid level or something like that for a good team. You know, he could go and contribute and help and you know, have a chance. You know, for another playoff run before his career is over. I forget who had that report a couple of days ago about uh, just the lack of salary cap room for all these teams this summer. Um, so I apologize for not sourcing them. But I, if you had asked me before I read that and sort of looked at the landscape a little bit closer, I would have said that both Garrett Temple and Costa Kufas have a pretty good shot of opting out. But now that it doesn't seem like the money is going to be there, um, aside from the mid-level exceptions, which I don't know. I don't know if teams are going to use those on Temple and Kufas because there they're, can be other players had, like... The Grizzlies are hoping they can get Tyreek Evans. If you can get a player like Tyreek Evans under the mid-level, I don't know if Temple or Kufus are commanding that kind of money. Um, and you can split it, but still, uh, I don't know. I don't know if those guys are going to opt out. I think I almost think Kufus has a better shot of opting out because out of Kufus and Temple, I think uh, Kufus may be uh, a little bit less happy. And I'm totally speculating here, just about his playing time and role in the rotation. Whereas even though the Kings are youth movement going young. Um, Jaeger still plays Temple a ton of minutes, and he's seems like more of a part of the team. Where Kufus can play twenty minutes one night, zero minutes the next. He's a little bit more in and out. And if Kufus, you know, he's not that old yet. If he wants one more contract, where he can actually go someplace and play consistently, because he he probably deserves consistent playing time. He's good enough to be a rotation big. I think I could see maybe him opting out just to get kind of get out of Sacramento and go to a place that wants him to to play a little bit more. Yeah, and I think the report that you're talking about, I think that was from uh, Bobby Marks. Yeah, that, that I think sounds right. Was the guy for ESPN who it was him, and I think Waj was in on it as well. But, but yeah, I mean the money's going to be different, and part of that is another reason why I'm fine with what the Kings did today. You know, because even if none of those other guys opt out, the Kings now have you know roughly an extra what, 9 to $10 million in cap space in the coming year because Joe Johnson's going to be expiring. You know, probably buy him out earlier, but he comes off the cap in full, you know, come the end of the year. And Bruno Cobaloco, I just mispronounced his name. <laughs> I haven't learned it yet. Uh, but he is an expiring contract as well, whereas Malachi had an extra year. So, you know, that creates an extra 1.5 in cap space that otherwise would have gone to Malachi. So, you know, they have a, a not insignificant amount of cap space and they just created more. If any of those one player any of those players opt out, they have even more available cap space. Like and there's gonna be that cap crunch where there's gonna be good players waiting for a deal who can't get anything and you know, that can backfire. We just saw it with George Hill. That was his situation. You know, there wasn't the money out there anymore for him and so he took it where he could get it and you know, things don't always work out, but it does give you the opportunity to at least jump on those deals and try to get a good player in here who maybe otherwise wouldn't look at Sacramento. The Kings shedding that hill cap space, even though it's only, you know, half of his deal with the Joe Johnson swap, that to me is what makes this whole day, all these ridiculous transactions worth it. And I know Kings fans don't want to hear this because it's such a, um unsatisfying answer, but we're going to have to wait and see on if, you know, today's work by Vlade was worth it or not. We'll see what they do in free agency. They have more money to play with now. Uh, I know I'm already hearing like, oh, well, Vlade's only going to go get, you know, Zebo and like the equivalent of Zebo and other vets like 
Maybe he will. Maybe he'll just do that and get old guys that are over the hill. Or maybe he'll target a guy like Julius Randle, who we know the Lakers probably aren't going to pay him this summer, and he's a restricted free agent that can be had. Maybe now they have enough money to go after somebody like that. So we don't know. It's a wait-and-see thing. Unsatisfying answer. See, I don't think it'll be Randall because, I mean, with all the cap space that the Lakers created and with them kind of talking about, you know, maybe it'll be 2019 that they make their big move. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers end up keeping Randall. Like, that wouldn't surprise me at this point. With Larry Nance Uh, heading out. Yeah, that makes more sense, too. But if you start looking at guys who will be out there, you know, there's Aaron Gordon seems like Orlando may be willing to let him go. Uh, you could throw a decent-sized offer, not necessarily a max, but decent-sized offer at a guy like Jabari Parker, who's incredibly talented if he can ever stay healthy. You know, it's a huge risk, of course, with the knees, but you know, it, there's things out there that could at least be interesting and you know, those types of players that would still fit the timeline of you know, what the Kings are working on with their young guys. Uh, the last thing I had here was... Um... Just a very minimal report, and I don't even know if you have anything to say about this because it's so minor, uh, that the Raptors have had internal discussions about bringing in Vince Carter if the Kings do waive him. He's another waive candidate, although there's been nothing on the Kings' side to say, like, oh, they might waive Vince Carter. But I know when Vince Carter was in Toronto earlier this year, he had a comment to the media where he said, like, oh, at some point I think I should come back here. I don't know if he meant, you know, next year because he didn't seem like he wanted to retire yet. But um, if the Kings waive him... Toronto getting Vince Carter back would be kind of fun, seeing him in the playoffs on a, on a high-ranking Eastern Conference team. Um, and I think, you know, he's paid his dues here in Sacramento. If they waive him at some point this year, I won't be too upset. Yeah, I imagine that's probably a conversation that the front office is having with Carter. Whether or not it goes anywhere you know, probably depends on how much of his $8 million he would want to be paid to be bought out. And, you know, and, but I think that if, the number was reasonable. I don't see why the Kings wouldn't buy him out if if he wanted to be bought out. Like that's just you know that's goodwill. You brought in a guy, helped him develop the youth, and kind of set the tone to start the season. Now he's getting less of a role. You know he wanted to be here for some playing time. If he can go and be on a playoff team, you're going to do right by him. So that sort of thing would make a lot of sense. But it probably comes down to what Carter wants to do and what his dollar figure looks like. Uh, the only piece that the Kings got today, and it's a long shot that this guy has a long-term future in Sacramento, but I think the only one that even has the potential for a long-term future in Sacramento is uh, is our is our pal Bruno Caboclo over here. Um, are you expecting anything from that guy? No. No, I, no. I'm not either, but I'm excited to see him play a few minutes. He's, uh, well, I wouldn't get too excited. The guy's been in the league four years, and I think he's played fewer minutes than Papianos. Yeah, but the Raptors are good. It's a little bit different to me. If, you know, I... So, in, uh, I saw an interesting stat. In all of his minutes, he's never taken a free throw in four years in the NBA. That's, that's a pretty good stat. <laughs> no free throws. He, uh, <laughs> he, had, he got in trouble with his with the Brazilian national team because of his attitude and just the way he was acting. Like I, I, I don't, I don't think he's anything that we should get too excited about. And I mean, re, I mean, he's the guy who originated the joke of the guy who's 
two years away from being two years away. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's who that joke started about. And it's, uh, yeah, I don't think he's going to be anything here. I think he's an expiring contract. I don't blame the Kings for holding on to him just to see if there is anything there because his raw skills, I think, are intriguing, but I don't see him being an NBA player after this year. It's an extreme long shot. I'll say this. Yeah. Raptors fans love him, so you have that's always a little something to look forward to. You know, we're talking about things to look forward to in the context of, like, the final 40 games of a really bad team season. Like, sure, give us, like, yeah. 40 games of Bruno to entertain ourselves just a tiny bit while we watch this team lose night after night. Um, so Raptors fans love him. I, I don't know if I would call him a three-point shooter, but he certainly takes a lot of threes um, in his deep league stints. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a he's a freak. Like, he has a freakish wingspan. Eight foot, I think it was, what, like an eight-foot wingspan that I was reading about? Um, so there you go. Freak athlete, fan favorite, likes to jack the three. So he's not going to be shy out there if the Kings do play him. <laughs> That's my official scouting port on uh, Bruno Caboclo. Oh, boy. All right, Greg, any parting thoughts here? I think we covered it all, but is there anything that you didn't get out of your system that you wanted to say about the deadline today? Um, no, I mean, they moved on from some past mistakes. I mean, I think it's pretty comfortable to say that Papianis was a big mistake at 13. Malachi Richardson hasn't fit what they're looking for, and they got better options. They moved on from him. And the George Hill signing didn't work out. They moved on and saved money, and they managed to shed his salary without taking on any long-term money and uh, without giving up any draft assets or young players to do it. All right. We'll see how it plays out. It's going to be an interesting summer. There's always next summer. There's always free agents. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Greg. I hear the drums echoing tonight. Cheers only whispers of some quiet conversation She's coming in 12.30 flight The moonlit wings reflect With the 20th pick in the 2014 NBA Draft The Toronto Raptors select Bruno Caballo From San... San Paulo, Brazil. He last played for Pineros in Brazil. What just happened? He was also the MVP of Basketball Without Borders. Now, I'm going to give a shout-out to our international guy, Fran Fraschilla. When Fran and I were riding over the Manhattan Bridge yesterday, he said, let me tell you something. There's a kid from Brazil, Bruno Caboclo, and he's going to get picked. And don't be surprised when it happens. So I'm the only one on the set who wasn't, Fran. Tell me why we shouldn't be. This is the all-time swing for the fences pick. First of all, he's de- he's described as the si- the Brazilian Kevin Durant. He's six foot nine. He's a terrific athlete, but he's so raw that he's about three or four years away, in my opinion, from playing in the league. Shout out to Basketball Without Borders with the NBA people because he he was the MVP last year in their camp. He plays down at Paneros. He didn't play very much. He is a, a freak athlete, but he really doesn't know how to play yet. Toronto and a couple other teams were the only teams to see him in person this year. And I thought Toronto might take him at 37, but they are swinging the, for the fences with this guy. I'm blown away. I've been doing this for 10 years. This is, he's two years away from being two years away. 
and then we'll see. Oh. But he's a great athlete with upside down the road like Sao Paulo. <laughs> oh, no, wait. You just said two years away from being two years away. So does that mean he's four years away, Fred? No, he's still going to be two years away after that. He's a McDonald's All-American, Reese, but we're, he's got a lot, of, a lot of improvement, but he is a great athlete. And uh, Toronto's taking a chance here, and we may look back on this 10 years from now and say kudos to the Raptors. I'm ready to take the next step. I'm ready for a university that will help me advance in my education and career. A university that will make me feel supported and connected. I'm ready for ODU Online. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today. I'm ready to make my credits count. I'm ready to take classes from a university that will help me build on my experience to prepare me for the future. A university that will make me feel supported, encouraged, and connected. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today.